0: Welcome to the Nurse Leader Network Podcast with your host, Chris Racinos. Wherever you're going on your nurse leader journey, we're here to help you get there. All right, everybody. This is an episode that I know you have all been waiting for. This episode is based on the question that I most commonly get, which is how do I nail an interview? Hey, Chris, I have an interview coming up. What are some tips and tricks so that I can land that job? And today we are going to give you everything that you need to know to have the perfect interview. So we're going to start off with a couple different things. We're going to talk about the application process, right? How many of you raise your hands if it's safe to do so, right? If you're driving, maybe don't raise your hands how many of you have been like, okay, I have put in like 30 applications. I've put in a hundred applications and nobody is calling me back. We're going to talk about how to make sure you get that call back. Then we're going to talk about what it looks like when you are getting screened by the recruiter. Then we're going to talk about the actual interview process. So we're going to walk you through everything today. This is an episode you definitely are going to want to take some notes on. And I do have a great handout that you will be able to get a copy of, I'll give you that website at the end of the episode so that you can have your little cheat sheet for when you get ready to prep for your interviews. So we're going to start off with step one. Step one is it's going to start with your application. How do you get a recruiter to even call back? How do you get them to look at your application? And so there's a couple different tips that I'm going to give you around making sure that your application stands out. Number one, you're going to start off by looking at that job description. So whatever job you're looking at, right, staff nurse, nurse manager, director, executive, whatever job it is that you are interested in applying for, you want to start off with a job description and you are going to take that and look at the the different job duties that are in that job description. Now, you're going to pull up your CV or your resume and you want to make sure that the things that are on that job description are reflected on your resume. What does that mean? It doesn't mean copy and paste the job duties from the description onto your resume, but it does mean to get inspiration from that. And so you want to make sure that, for example, one of the job duties might be something like delegates effectively, right? In that job position, you're going to have to delegate and lead effectively. So within your previous history, whether that's experience that's paid or not, right? So it could be experience from your time as a student. If you don't have a lot of career experience, or it could be time from you know volunteering, it could be time from previous jobs. You wanna demonstrate in your application how you led and delegated effectively. So you're not gonna say things like leads and delegates effectively. Right? That's copy and pasting. What you will say is that you led a team of three and delegated tasks so that blood sugar monitoring could be accomplished in a three month period or whatever. I'm totally making that up. But Whatever you have in your history, you want to think back to where can I pinpoint where I demonstrated that type of things. So in your application, one big mistake I see is that people list their job duties versus their accomplishments, right? So job duty is delegates effectively. My accomplishment is I was able to stand up this hypertensive clinic uh, because I delegated effectively. So move away in your CV from tasks to outcomes. So describe in your application, describe in your CV the outcomes related to the job duties that is the job that you're going to be applying for, okay? So we got that. We are going to get our inspiration from that job duty and look to our history to see how we fulfilled those type of things. Number two, always modify your resume and your application. Common mistake is using the exact same application for a bunch of different jobs. I know, I know what you're saying, Chris, it takes forever to modify I know that. Um, And so that's why you got to get picky around the positions that you want to apply for. And you want to be very specific and do your due diligence to make sure that you are one of the applicants that gets that callback. So you're going to modify your CV for each individual position you apply for or each individual organization that you apply for. Another great tip is look at the mission and the vision of that organization. So for example, if the mission and vision is providing outstanding care in the community, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you wanna look at how you can exemplify that in your resume and your application as well. And since every individual uh, organization has a different mission and vision, you want to, again, tailor your CV to really show and demonstrate that you could fit into that mission and vision and how you have done it in the past. So those are a couple different tips. Now, it's okay once you've done your application to follow up with the recruiter, so let's say you've gone ahead, you went and tailored that cV you tailored that um, application, you made sure that it fit the mission and the vision, you demonstrated how you effectively met that those job duties and how you have all of your outcomes. If you don't get a call back, it is okay within a week or two to follow up with that recruiter or with the person that you might potentially interview with what I tend to do is i recommend. There's a couple of different ways that we can like stalk these people, right? Okay, we're not going to stalk anybody, but just to find out who they are and send a message. Please don't stalk anybody. Ways that I would find out people is, uh, number one, ask. So I can apply and I can ask, hey, who is the recruiter for this position, right? You call up that organization or leave a voicemail or talk to the person. You can also go on LinkedIn. Say, for example, you know um, the organization and you know that you're applying for the med surge unit. So you could go on LinkedIn and look up the organization and sometimes it'll show you who that person is. And you might want to drop a little message like, hey, I interviewed for the position. I'm really looking forward to hearing back. Here's a great way to contact me. Looking forward to hearing out. Um, and then another way is on the company website. So sometimes you can go on the website and see who the manager might be or who the recruiter HR contact number is. And again, wait a week or two. And then you can just say, hey, I'm really interested in the position. Just wondering, you know, uh, where it's at with the interview process. And I'm looking forward to hearing back. And it's as simple as that. Now, you don't want to harass them, so don't don't do two, three, three, four, four, five phone calls. You can call once, maybe twice if they tell you, hey, go ahead and give us a call back or something like that, but it is okay to reach out once, maybe twice to the recruiter or the hiring manager to express your interest. That is okay. So we've done all of these things, and guess what? The recruiter's like, I'm going to screen this candidate. Let me take a look. Let me give him a call. So you're going to get a phone call. Again, usually it's a screener. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's actual hiring manager, it depends. But be prepared for some of these routine calls. And you need to make sure that you have answers to these questions that I'm going to give you before you even submit the application. Because there are some recruiters that are going to call you the day, same day or the next day, and you want to make sure that you already have answers to these prepared. Common questions that you're going to see in the screening process are going to be tell me about yourself, right? That's the number one thing. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your work history, your, your educational history. When they ask about that, they want you to be succinct. They want you to go over your current role, what you're currently up to. They want you to go over perhaps why you enjoy that position and why you're looking for the next position. This is not the time to be like, oh, and my hobby is surfing and I am on Tinder. We don't wanna go there. So that when they say, tell me about yourself, really think succinctly that is gonna be about what you're doing in your professional life and how you're gonna move forward with that. Now, that might not be the case when we get to the actual interview. When we get to the actual interview, you might wanna share a little bit more about yourself. Again, I probably wouldn't go with the Tinder account, but you wanna show a little bit more about yourself um, because that helps you make more, it makes you more relatable. And we'll talk about that when we get to the actual interview piece. The next question that you're gonna be commonly see is, why do you wanna leave your current position? You never wanna say things like, it's for, I wanna leave because y'all have better benefits and pay, okay? Even if that's the truth, That's not what you're going to say to the screener. You uh, want to say things like, you know, I see that there's an opportunity to match my values with the values of your organization. Say things like, I'm looking for a new challenge. I'm looking for growth. I'm looking to contribute in another way. Those are things that hiring managers and screeners want to hear. They don't necessarily want to hear that you're only there for the money or that you're there for the benefits. And guess what? The fact of the matter is, Money talks, right? A lot of times we want to go where there's a higher salary. That's a given. So we don't need to bring that up. We want to talk about our contributions, how we are going to contribute to their larger mission and vision. On the call, again, it's okay to be yourself. A lot of people get really bashful. It is an opportunity for you to brag about yourself. So you really want to highlight what you've done. It's okay to show a little bit of humor, right? So you can kind of joke a little bit if that's appropriate. Things that you never want to do, though, is make sure that you don't ever bash your current organization, your current employer, current colleagues. Those things really turn off recruiters and uh, hiring managers. And so it's just a no-no. And that's throughout the entire interview process. Even if you had the world's worst boss on the planet, we're not going to bash that boss. We're going to talk about how we can contribute in a different way to the new organization or the new position. Okay, so we've done the application. We've had that screener call from the recruiter or from this hiring manager. And now they're like, guess what? We want to do the interview. And this may be with your future boss. It may be with a team. It may be with a variety of different people. You may have multiple interviews. Sometimes, depending on the position, there might be multiple interviews. But we're going to walk through what we need to do. So step one is you got to prep for the interview, right? We're going to prep. So Some things that I recommend people do is, number one, make sure that you have copies of your resume. Some people put their resume on like super fancy stock paper. That is not necessary. What is necessary is to make sure that you review it for any typos, for grammar, for any missing information. All of that is highly important because if you cannot spell in your CV when you've had time to look at it, it, that's going to be concerning, right, as somebody who's hiring. So you want to make sure that your resume looks good. Give it to somebody else to take a look at it because sometimes we can't see it, right? We look at it so many times and we miss those errors. Another thing you can do is create a portfolio. Um, This is a really great thing where you will collect documents to show how accomplished you are. So if you're a student, you might wanna, right? Let's say I'm a brand new grad, whether it's for a new RM position or I'm a brand new grad with my master's and I'm looking to get into administration. You wanna show some of the things you did so you can share projects that you've worked on, papers that you've written, you can put um, any volunteering that you've done, any student associations that you've led, anything that's relevant to the position that you are applying to, right? You want to demonstrate, hey, I have done these things. And if you've been a nurse for a while and you do have experience, then you want to include actual metrics. So, for example, as a staff nurse, if you're applying for, let's say, a charge position or another position, what kind of things did you lead? Have you been on any shared governance? Did you ch- uh, champion or do any type of pilots on the unit? Show the metrics, right? Did you decrease happies? Did you decrease turnover time? Those kind of things. As a leader, same kind of thing. So and this goes for all leadership positions, right? Not just in the hospital. This is for academic. This is for ambulatory. This is for outside of healthcare, traditional healthcare organizations. This is any kind of interview. Demonstrate your outcomes with metrics. So again, look for what you have, pull that data, and then put it neatly into a portfolio where you can say, Hey, during the interview, here's my portfolio of some of my outcomes that I've achieved in you know the time that I've been a nurse next you're going to want to get really clear on some very common questions that are going to be answered so you're going to have already thought about the answers to these questions so when you go into the interview you don't have to sit there and think about it and you don't get caught off guard now common style of questioning which majority of organizations use now is behavioral based interview questions or performance based interview questions those are questions that are going to be Um, based on your previous past history of things that you've done. So instead of saying, what would you do if if you and another colleague didn't agree about a decision? It's going to say, what have you done? Tell me about a time that there was a decision that was made that you did not agree with. How did you handle it? And so I'm going to give you some of the questions that are commonly asked now. And your job is to sit down after you listen to this episode and come up with great ways to answer that. And I'm going to teach you how to answer that in a few minutes. So some of the questions that you're going to commonly hear are going to be things like, tell me about a time that you experienced some type of conflict, some type of disagreement. Tell me about a time that you led a team or a project. Tell me about a time that you had to improve patient experience or that you went above and beyond with patient experience or customer service. Tell me about a time that you helped contribute to better outcomes, right? So They might say better outcomes. They might say, uh, you know, that you led a project improvement, something like that. Tell me about a time that you made a mistake and how did you handle that mistake? And so these are some common questions that will be asked that you want to prep for. So let's dive in to how to answer these questions. I tell everybody, use SBAR. We're nurses. We know SBAR. We know situation. We know background. We know action. And we know the result or assessment, action assessment. We're going to call it action for the purposes of uh, interviewing. So let's say what that would look like. So I'm going to just throw out a random question. Tell me about a time that you had conflict with your manager. You didn't agree with the decision they made. How did you handle it? Well, the way you're going to answer it is with our S-bar. So let's start off with the situation. Well, the situation was my manager said that we had to Purchase a new PureWick for this unit. It was just we had to start using these new Pierwicks, Um, but we didn't really like these PureWicks because these ones um, didn't. The suction wasn't as well as some of the previous manufacturer's suction was. I'm making it up. That's the situation. We just talked about the situation. The background. What is? What were you responsible for? So because we felt that the suction wasn't as good, I got together a team and we did a literature review. And we proposed a pilot study between the two. That was the background. So that was what we were responsible for. So with situation, we talked about what happened, what the disagreement was, the background, we're gonna talk about our role in that, what we did, what the accountability was, what was the action, so how did I overcome it? So we did this pilot study and we found that the older ones actually were not only more cost-effective, but they did decrease happies. So that was the situation, what happened? We were gonna change peer Background: What was my responsibility? I went and did a literature review, and we did a pilot study. Was the action, and then the result was that we actually had decreased happy. So think about it in that way. All questions that you're going to answer that are these be- this performance based questions, you want to discuss. And I always recommend like once you go over the outcome, the result piece for the R, um, you want to also put what you learned from it. So um, leaders love hearing what you learned from it, and if you would change anything or go back and do anything because it shows you're reflective. So you would say. You know, and the way we implemented it was great, but next time we would have included more articles or next time we would have taken more time to educate staff or next time we would have brought in the physicians, whatever it is that you would have done, um, you really want to highlight that. So to recap, SBAR, that's how we're answering these interview questions. We're going to talk about the situation that happened. We're going to talk about the background. What was your role in that? That's the background. We're going to talk about the action. What did you actually do? And then we're going to talk about the results. What was the outcome of that? And what did you learn from it? So that was a conflict example. Let's do another um, example, which is tell me about a time you led a team or a project. That actually might be the same kind of response the one we just gave for the conflict of how you led a team, because that's an example of leading a team. Uh, Let's talk about a mistake. So one of the questions, like I said, is one of the, you know, they'll ask about your weaknesses or they're going to ask about a time that you made a mistake. I'm going to give a personal, this is the actual, like a true one for me. Tell me about a time you made a mistake the situation was. I was a brand new grad. I had been out of school maybe like three months and I had, uh, was working in the ER and I gave report and was asked to go on my break. And so I went on my break. It was a 15 minute break. I told my, the person I was giving a break to, don't worry about the medication. I'll give it when I get back. Um, you know, went into my 15, came back and I did not get report from her when she handed the patients back. We did not do an SBAR report. So I went ahead, went into the Pyxis, drew out my medication, administered medication to the patient, went to go document it. And I saw that that nurse who had covered me had given the medication already, right? So we had given the patient twice the medication. And so that was my mistake. That was the situation. What was my action? My action was I immediately went, I did a set of vitals on the patient and I alerted my um, leader and said, hey, I gave this patient an extra dose of this medication. She's stable. Luckily, the medication I gave was not a medication that uh, we would commonly see any type of reaction in. It wasn't anything that would have caused any type of overdose or anything like that. But I, you know, made it and then we went ahead and we did the report. What was the result? The result was the patient was fine. It was a medication that didn't cause any harm. I alerted the patient, let her know that she had, um, you know, received a second dose of this medication. Um, Patient was, the outcome was okay. Um, We went ahead and we um, did like a just culture type type of thing with that. and then. You know what I learned from that is you need to get report even if it's only fifteen minutes, and you need to check the charting, um, because you know it was a, it was a mistake on my part. And so that's an example of the mistake and what did I learn from it. I learned how important S bars were. I learned how important report was, and that never happened again. After that, I was actually the ambassador that helped improve you know our um, handoff rates, because that was something that was just so passionate to me after I had made this mistake early on in my career. That's an example of a mistake, and again, With the mistakes, you always have to say what you learned from it and how it changed your practice. If you're just like, oh, I made a mistake and that was it, uh, that's not good enough. You really need to get nitty gritty around like how you learned and how you changed because of a result of that mistake. We all make mistakes, it happens, um, but you want to be able to learn from them. Another example tell me about a time that you had a patient experience, um, you know, that you helped change patient experience. And so, again, you're going to talk about the situation. Perhaps the situation was, well, you know, I noticed that our um, satisfaction rates for our, our st- I'm gonna give an example of somebody maybe in academia. Um, I noticed that our student satisfaction rates were decreased, right? They, they um, weren't as high as we would have liked them. So that's the situation. The background, well, so uh, what I did in that was I brought together and decided that, you know, we needed to have a focus group. So I talked to my boss and got permission to have this focus group. And so the action is in, and then we had the focus group. And the results were the students were saying they really didn't like that they had to go online during the pandemic when they were really trying to be an in-person program. And so we talked about different ways that we could make their learning experience better should we have to go back to online learning, something like that. Um, And what did you learn from that? You know, that was the outcome. And then what we learned was that we could have, you know, provided additional office hours or something like that I'm making it up. So think about this SBAR method of answering your interview questions. Think about some of those common questions that you're going to see. Again, you're going to see questions around conflict. You're going to see questions around um, leading teams, leading projects, patient experiences, improved outcomes, a mistake. You'll definitely see clinical questions if you're in a clinical position. So think about some of the common clinical areas, right? So if we are in labor and delivery, we want to think about You know, some of the poor outcomes that could happen in labor delivery, right? So tell me about a time something didn't go right. Tell me about a time you had a stat C section. Tell me about a time that you had multiple patients, you know, crowning at the same time. If you're in ICU, think about what would happen in the ICU setting. You know, depending on where you're at, you want to think about some of the worst case scenarios and then some of the day to day, everything that you would always manage scenarios and have a good response for how you would handle those. Some of the other really common questions that you're going to get that you want to have an answer to, again, is they're going to want you to tell you, tell, them about yourself. When you're in the actual interview, it's okay to get a little bit personal. So we don't want to go through our whole life stories, but I'll give you an example of um, my personal story. So when I am asked to tell people about myself, I share with them the types of things I've done in my career, right? So I have been a nurse executive. I've been a deputy nurse executive. I've been a nurse practitioner. I've been an ER nurse. I've done all these things and I'll share that. And currently I'm working on a suicide prevention app. And the inspiration for that suicide prevention app was that I lost my daughter to suicide. And so I'm sharing a little bit about me and why that is my passion. And that really helps create and foster connectedness. And that helps you become relatable as an individual and it helps you become a memorable candidate. So you can share a fun fact or two. Um, That was not necessarily a fun fact, but you can share facts to demonstrate why you are who you are, how you got to where you are why you are so passionate, right? Maybe you got into healthcare because you lost somebody close to you. Maybe you got into healthcare because you had a bad experience as a you know patient yourself or one of your family members had a bad experience as a patient. Those are things that storytelling that connect you to the interviewers and that, again, will make you a memorable candidate. So it's okay to share those things. Going back to Tinder, we're not gonna share that we're on Tinder and that we just got divorced and those kind of things. We want to show things that high... Highlight who we are as an individual and as we who we are as a nurse. Some other questions you're going to get are, tell me about your biggest weakness, weakness, your biggest strength. Your biggest weakness, this one you want to be mindful of. It should be a weakness, but it should be a weakness you're actively working on. So, you know, that question when it comes up for me, I usually say I'm a quick speaker. And y'all are listening to me now, so you know this. I talk really fast. And so that actually is a weakness. There's a lot of people that have a hard time understanding me because of how rapid my speech is. So what do I do to work on that? Well, I do a lot of public speaking. I try to be very intentional when I talk. So talk about your weakness, but talk about the things you're doing to overcome that weakness. Another question you might commonly get is, um, what are your patients or colleagues like best and least about you? Um, and again, this is another one where you want to share a weakness, but you don't necessarily want to share your biggest weakness, right? Maybe you don't want to say, oh, well, I'm always the one that takes four additional hours for charting, right? Maybe that's not the weakness you want to share. So you want to share something that you're actively working on that is a weakness, but that you are working on to overcome. Um, You're going to be asked, why should we hire you over an equally qualified candidate? The worst response you can give on this is I don't know. You never say you don't know. This is your time to shine and your time to brag. And you wanna say, because I am passionate, because I am motivated, because I am committed to the mission, because ABCD things, because I have this level of experience that other candidates likely don't have. It's your time to shine and to brag. So make sure when you talk about that, you get really eager and show you are different. You do stand out. You are individualized and you're very different and you're qualified and they should select you. Uh, some other questions they're gonna say is why do you want this job? Again, we talked about that. Don't save for the benefits. You wanna talk about personal growth, how you can contribute to their mission. There you might ask, what is your biggest professional achievement? And so you can share that. And if you are a new grad or don't feel like you have one, there's one in there, right? There's something that you have done. It might've been I graduated and you know it really was a struggle for me to graduate or could be you know whatever it was, but you wanna highlight whatever your professional achievement is. You wanna have it already thought about and written down in your mind. Another question is gonna be like, why do you wanna leave your current job? Again, don't bash your former employer. You can say, I'm looking for growth. I'm looking for opportunity. I um, am looking for some diversity in my background. And so I just thought that this would be a good fit. they might ask about your leadership style. Um, and it, again, they'll definitely ask to tell me about a time that you disagreed with a decision or tell me about a time that there was some type of conflict. Now, some things that you want to not say, some things that are important. Um, we talked about not being negative about current boss or employers, but in addition to that, you also want to try to not be pessimistic, right? So we want to be optimistic when they are saying we are struggling with, right? You're going to ask some questions, which we'll go over in a little bit, but they're saying we're struggling with, you know, ABCD things. And we, you know, we're looking for somebody who wants to jump in. You don't want to say, oh, well, it's always been like that. Staffing has always been like that. Good luck. You want to really be optimistic about what your contributions will be. You want to make sure when you're answering the questions using that SBAR format that you always state what you specifically did. The number one red flag for me when people are interviewing, so I'm interviewing a candidate, is when they say, we, we did this, we did that, my team did this, Uh uh-uh. I want to hear about your role in that because that's great that the team did it, but the team's not interviewing for the position you are. So what specifically was your role? So say, I got together the team. I participated on the team in this you know, capacity. I helped this individual patient with ABC. What did you do, not what did the team do when you're answering the questions? Lastly, you wanna make sure you answer all the questions. So another big one that I get is somebody who just doesn't have the answer, right? And they'll, they'll be like, can you come back to me? Or can you come back to me with that question? And then I'll come back to them and then they still don't have an answer. So if you use the questions that I just gave you, if you prep for those, you're gonna have like 99% of questions that are gonna be asked are gonna be, you'll have an answer for. And if you need to postpone it and say, hey, can I come back to that? That's okay. But make sure you have thought hard, long and hard about how you're gonna respond to that because the worst thing you can, you can do is say, I just can't answer that question. So um, make sure that you you know demonstrate your flexibility in being able to answer a question. Maybe that catches you off guard. So you've done all that prep. You're all ready to go. We have done all of our, our preparation and we're getting ready to go to our interview now. If you're in person, your interview is gonna start the minute you get into your car. If you are like on a Zoom call or something, it's gonna start before you even get on the Zoom. So let's say you're doing a physical meeting. I have had times where as a nurse executive, I have walked through the hallways and heard somebody speaking on their phone using curse words and just really loud and enough for me to notice them and then walk into the back room, and when a candidate is brought in for an interview, it ends up being that person in the hallway, uh, you know, in the entrance. Don't be that person. Your interview starts the minute you get in the car, the minute you drive over to that location, it's going to start. So, you want to make sure that you are on your best behavior as you're entering that facility. This should go without saying, but you need to be courteous to everyone, to the janitors to executives, to patients, to the parking lot attendees. I personally frequently bring all kinds of people. I want it to be a hiring process where everybody gets a say, right? So I'll bring patients into my interviews. I will bring um, other uh, departments into my interviews. And we wanna make sure that you're being nice to everybody, not just us, because we're the interview, we're the people that are doing the hiring. So make sure that you're courteous to everybody that you interact with, because that can make or break a job interview. If you're on Zoom, same thing. Um, As soon as you get on, you want to greet people, say hello, you're going to walk in, Um, you might want to shake hands, those kind of things. But again, it starts much earlier than when you actually sit down for that interview. In terms of your appearance, so before you walk in with your appearance, you want to make sure again that you are dressed appropriately for the position that you're interviewing for. So if it's, let's say, for example, an inpatient unit, you might not want to have false nails on, things that you cannot have as a, you know, as an RN because of accreditation or licensing. Um, so you want to make sure that you are not disheveled, that your clothes is clean, that it's ironed. Uh, times are changing in terms of like piercings, like a nose piercing or in time, in terms of like um, tattoos, those kind of things. So we obviously don't want to go in and like a tank top Um, but we want to make sure that we are presentable and that our appearance matches the position that we're going to apply for. So don't go in in any sweats, those kind of things. You also don't want to be late. So I recommend being there like 30 minutes to um, at least, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before you are even going to have the interview being there on time, because number one, most of us are nervous when we interview. So that'll give us some time to do a quick little meditation in the car. But number two, sometimes it's not easy to find the location, right? So if you're hiring at or interviewing at a large organization, it might take you a minute to find there, the actual location. And so you want to make sure that you're not late. That's one of the biggest things. If for some reason you are late, the number one thing that you could do to make sure you do not get that job is not apologize and not tell them why. So if you want the job and you're late, you're going to say, hey, there was a huge accident on freeway, whatever it was that caused me to be late. Be honest about it and apologize. See, I apologize for being late. I apologize for wasting the time. Um, Those kind of things. So don't just ignore it as if it didn't happen because that, again, is another red flag. When you walk in, you want to make sure you shake hands and greet everybody with a smile. If you're nervous, it is okay to admit you're nervous. Most applicants are nervous. And again, small talk is good to build rapport. So you can talk about things that are like shared interests. Let's say, for example, somebody has a lanyard with a team sport on it. You can talk about the team. You know, you you can talk about shared kind of interests. Um, you don't want to go down anything really beyond that because sometimes it can work the opposite as well, too. So now we're at showtime. We have prepped. We've walked in. We've got there on time. We've greeted everybody. We have our questions. We're going to sit down. We're going to answer those questions using that. S-bar formula. We've talked about what those questions were. At the end, they're going to say, do you have any questions for us? And your response is going to be, yes, I actually do. Because you are going to have pre-written some questions and I'm going to give you what those questions are. You're also going to have pre-written thank you letters. So we'll talk about those in a minute as well. So some of the questions that you are going to want to ask those that you're interviewing with are things like, tell me about the department culture. What do employees like best? And what do they like least about working here? Talk to them and ask them, what does an ideal candidate look like to you? You wanna ask things like, what key objectives or goals would you want this position to accomplish in the first month, the first 90 days, the first six months for the position? And then the final question could be, do you have any reservations about my candidacy for this position? So you wanna make sure you have all those questions in there. You can also have a couple additional questions Related to that specific position. So, for example, if it's a staff nurse position, you might want to say things like, talk to me, you know, could you tell me about the ratios? Could you tell me about, do you have CNA support? You know, what does that look like? You, if you're like in a managerial position, you might want to ask, how many direct reports are there? Um, You know, is this position travel? Those kind of things. So, you can have some additional questions written out, but be thoughtful about what they are. And then also be thoughtful that if you run out of time, what are the top two or three questions you want to ask? Even if you run out of time, you should try to get in one or two questions because it really just demonstrates that you are interested and that you are prepared. So again, go in there, make sure you have your questions ready. And then the last piece of the interview is, this is part of your prep, before you interview. Once that interview is set up, you are going to ask whoever set up the interview for you, who are the people that will be at the interview? And your job is to create little thank you notes. I usually go and download cute little graphics on Windows and I print them out and I hand write thank you notes. And I just say, Dr. So-and-so, nurse so-and-so, Mr., Mrs., whoever, so-and-so, I really appreciate the time that you gave me today for the interview. I look forward to hearing back on the position. And then I sign my name. Um, Those handwritten cards go a long way. They go, I think, even further sometimes than emails do. Um, now what, if you don't want to to it written, that's fine, but you have to follow up at the end of the interview, either writing these little cards, which I think is a great tip because they're going to remember you. They're going to be like, Oh, that's the one that brought us the cards. Or you can follow up a day or two later on email, just thanking the people that were in the interview for their time. So that's very last step around your interview. Now we've gotten to that part. We're still not done, right? So we've gotten through the interview, but we're still not done. Remember I said, we're not gonna talk about benefits. We're not gonna talk about money. We're not gonna talk about any of those things in the beginning of the interview or in the interview period. We're gonna talk about those things when you get a call to ask if you want to accept the position because then it's bargaining time. So at that point, you're gonna ask about what are the benefits? What are the salary? What are some of the you know, additional things that come with that? What are the hours? All of those kind of things you wanna ask about. And it is then time for you to bargain. Closed mouths don't get fed. And the reality is almost everybody who has asked me for a higher salary when I hire them, if I am hiring you, I want you. You are a good candidate and I think you're gonna fit well on my team. And if you're asking for a little bit more and it's within my budget, I'm giving you a little bit more because I don't wanna lose you as a candidate. So even if they're offering you something and you're like, wow, this is a generous salary, I still recommend you ask for more because the worst thing they can say is no. And the best thing they can say is, yeah, and you got a higher salary than you anticipated. So always, always, always negotiate your salary when it comes down to the offer. Even if it's a salary, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that with this, that that's how much you're offering. Still try to negotiate higher because you you don't know what the budget is that they're working for, for that position. And it doesn't hurt to ask. The worst thing they can say is, sorry, it's outside of the position or, you know, it's outside of our budget for that position. And they can't, but it doesn't hurt to ask. So I recommend always asking. And then we're good to go. You're starting off at a new job. So we've talked about a lot today. I hope this was helpful. You'll be able to access the quick cheat sheet for this episode at www.nurseleadernetwork.com forward slash interview tips. And that will get you the little handout so that you can go through and again, have all these questions so that you can write your answers to and be prepared for you to nail that interview. Until next week, everybody.